0: Welcome back to New Books in Political Science, a podcast on the New Books Network. I'm Susan Lee Bell at St. Joseph's University, and today we have a unique and short podcast on how to write a better book with the help of the Minority Serving Institution Virtual Book Workshop Project and what everyone in academia can do to support this critical project. Book workshops produce great books, but too few scholars have access to the resources needed to organize and execute one, especially scholars at historically Black colleges and universities, Hispanic-serving institutions, Asian American and Pacific Islander-serving institutions, and tribal colleges and universities. The 2021 American Political Science Association annual meeting in Seattle launched a new initiative, one aimed at supporting virtual book workshops for scholars at minority-serving institutions in the United States. The two scholars who co-direct the minority-serving institution virtual book workshop project are here to talk about how authors can apply to have a workshop for their books and what other authors, editors, and administrators can do to make this project a success. Welcome to Nyambi Carter, Associate Professor of Political Science at Howard University. Some listeners know her 2019 American Wall Black African Americans, Immigration, and the Limits of Citizenship from Oxford, or remember her interview with Heath Brown for the podcast, which we will link to in the show. Welcome back to the founding host of New Books in Political Science, Heath Brown, an associate professor of public policy at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, City University of New York. His 2021 book, Homeschooling the Right, How Conservative Education Activism Erodes the State, was published by Columbia University Press, and our own Lily Gorin interviewed him for the podcast. But they're not here today as authors. They're here as the co-directors of this critical project, and I'm thrilled to have you both. Uh, The Minority Serving Institution Virtual Book Workshop Project is now open for applications, and we'll talk about how to apply shortly. But I want to start with the origin story and the vacuum the project seeks to fill. When did the two of you start discussing the need for the project, and, and, and how did you get to this amazing launch?
1: Well really at APSA. Um, APSA was virtual that year. And I was, I think, a discussant on a panel where Heath was presenting uh, with some co-authors. And we just kind of got to talking via email. And then Heath being who he is, ever the Builder, called me. And then we just started having these conversations. And then it just sort of all went downhill from there. Many, much of it at, at Heath's sort of um, lead.
2: Uh, but while that is true, uh, <laughs> I will say this goes even back further and it goes back to this very podcast, which is to say I met Niambi for the first time through her book, the book you just mentioned, uh, and had the chance in the run up to that last, you know, real APSA meeting to talk to her about the book. But as importantly, and listeners, good listeners of the podcast, remember that she didn't just talk about her book. She also gave us an introduction to all of the places to eat and get <laughs> tea in Washington, D.C. Because one of the things I've learned about Niambi is she's more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. And so she gave these great recommendations. It was at that point that we first met and talked. And it was a year later, I think, that we launched this idea exactly as Niambi described. And so... Um, it is this podcast that is the origin story of of this project that we're so excited about.
0: Uh, well, it's nice to hear that that people have these conversations both at APSA and New Books in Political Science, and that that it's it's more seamless because that's what we're hoping for uh, on the podcast. So, for those unfamiliar with minority serving institutions, c- can you say a little bit about? Their importance in American higher ed, and also why there are fewer opportunities for these kinds of book workshops. And actually, some people listening have never even don't even know that these book workshops exist because they are not available to so many people um, in the professions. So, could you could you talk a little bit about
1: about that?
2: Yeah, why don't you go first?
1: Okay. Well, I think to your first question, minority serving institutions are universities that have traditionally served an underserved student body. Um, and in the instances of historically black colleges and universities, for example, um, these institutions of higher learning exist because black students were kept out of the predominantly white institutions that existed. And so these institutions have you know, spread. I mean, there are tribal serving colleges that serve um uh native or indigenous peoples and others. And they didn't necessarily uh ban or or prevent others from coming, but that pretends to be who their predominant student body is. I'm at a historically black college and university, there are only a hundred, I think in eight, uh in the United States. Um, and we serve a diverse um, set of students. But while there was a lot of attention to the student side of, of these institutions, there was not enough attention, I think, to the faculty side of these institutions. And there have been a lot of efforts to you know, create pipelines from these minority serving institutions to graduate programs of political science at these PWIs. But the resources for faculty at these institutions um, remain lacking. And so we were thinking about this as sort of feeling that need because we know many of our peers at better endowed institutions, let's be frank here, um, had the money and had the wherewithal to have things like book workshops. And I, like you, uh, Susan, also like Keith, didn't hear about these things um, until I had friends at institutions that were very well resourced. And I was like, well, what is that? Um, and I had no idea that this was a thing. And um, when I got to Howard and in conversations with Heath, I mean, one of the things we noticed is that faculty who can't get those resources who are doing really incredible work, either that work doesn't come out or it comes out on a press where it may not get the same recognition or attention, or those faculty may leave those institutions in, seek of, in search of those resources. And so we're trying to... Um, address sort of all of those things. And the pandemic really presented an opportunity because the way the book workshop typically operates is that you invite a number of scholars to your city or your location. They're there over a series of days. So that's food that's, you know, honoraria, that's airfare and travel, that's hotel. And they're really expensive to run. And we thought that we could do this on a much smaller scale with, um, Or I say smaller scale in terms of finances, right, with the advent of um, online technologies and our now dependence on them um, in light of the pandemic and try to bring some of those resources to bear at these minority serving institutions that generally are not um, magnets for the kind of money and resources that some of our other institutions have.
0: So the awards, uh, the, the deadline is going to be in January. We'll talk about that in a second for submitting. And the workshops are to take place in the summer of 2022. Uh, there's going to be a $2,000 award that's going to be used to provide four expert reviewers, an honorarium for their participation in the workshops. Um, who can apply for this? Uh, what, what authors are, are, are eligible?
2: Yeah. Almost everybody whose uh, faculty affiliation is at a minority-serving institution in the United States is eligible to apply. Uh, that's the juniors and the seniors. Uh, those, are, those are our colleagues with uh, the most conventional tenure-track position and also the less conventional, but very common, uh, uh, contract uh, position Um, uh, uh, adjunct position. But if your primary faculty affiliation is with a minority-serving institution, according to the U.S. Department of Education, you're eligible. Um, And you have to have a book manuscript. Uh, What's what's important here is that uh, these are projects that are fully developed. And so what we've really wanted to do is to focus on that part of the, the book publishing process. It's not the whole process. And there are huge inequities uh, all up and down the process of, of producing great research and producing great books. Uh, we're trying to sort of uh, focus on that part of it uh, because we see it as a real bottleneck uh, that prevents uh, more great work from, from happening. Uh, and, and that's really the, the point here is, is uh, how we know so many people uh, both at the junior and senior level, whose projects get stuck and flounder and just never advance to that next stage, and and I think what we're increasingly realizing it's not just the the people who are starting out, uh, it's the it's the mid career people who who are getting um, uh, who are at institutions who have placed such large administrative and service burdens that those great projects uh, get stalled and they get put on the back burner. And our hope, our dream really, is for some of those projects, uh, for those at at the associate level, to get moved from the back burner and put on the front burner because of this and get turned into great books. Um, If that happens, um, not just this year, but in the next year and the year after that, I think we'll we'll view this as an enormous success.
0: And I should point out, this isn't just political science. People who are working in other disciplines are also encouraged to apply for the award. Um, you two are co-directing the project. You've organized a remarkable review board to select these manuscripts. Um, and this is going to be a competitive award across these different fields. Can you just tell us a little bit about who's on the board and uh, and then we'll talk about how to apply and whether you have tips for those people who are applying.
2: I'm going to let Naomi talk about a couple and then I'll fill in the rest.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we have some really stellar scholars who I think have always been of service to the institution, um, uh, to the discipline, I should say of political science and really believe in minority serving institutions and have really put their money where their mouth is when it comes to supporting their colleagues. So we have folks like Dr. Sekou Franklin, who is a Ph.D. from Howard University, who's agreed uh, to be on the board, Uh, uh, Kathy Powers at University of New Mexico, which is also a minority serving institution, but she does kind of quantitative IR stuff, Um, Jane Jun at USC has agreed to be on the board. And we know that Jane does amazing work in race and ethnic politics in the U.S., but has also been an extraordinary mentor. And I mean, there are many others who've agreed or at least are have been expressing interest. I mean, I'm sure Heath and I have both been getting these kinds of things separately. But it was really important for us to have people who either are at MSIs, who've been at MSIs, or who are wanting to support MSIs be a part of this. And we tried to get the range of folks from... Uh, The different subfields in the discipline so that, you know, whether you're a theorist or an international politics person or comparative person or Americanist, um, that your work is given a sort of full review by those in your field, your peers who actually know kind of what's happening. Um, And it was also important to us that this review board look more like the discipline, more like the country. And we didn't want to replicate the same old, you know, it's old white guys and those people have a place too, but we really wanted to make sure that this board was gender diverse, that it was diverse in terms of race, um, sexual expression, everything that we could think of to give these manuscripts the best possible hearing. And that's often what they lack. And so we wanted to create a board that would, um, be as diverse and interesting as the manuscripts that we're hoping to attract.
2: Yeah. In, in addition to those names, um, my namesake at Temple University, Hugh Fogg Davis is, is is joining us, um, uh, Cyril Ghosh, uh, Michael Miller at SSRC, Lily Gorn, of course, and worth noting, the actual, actual founder of this podcast, the first host, was Cyril Ghosh. Um, and, and it is, uh, to his credit, uh, that this, this podcast was launched a number of years ago. And I only had the benefit to take over for him for some period of time. Um, but Cyril has also agreed from Wagner college, um, the, the, uh, enthusiasm and willingness of people to put time into this has just been remarkable, uh, especially the publishers, uh, because it's been the publisher's who we have relied upon for funding. Um, And what we went to each one of them with was just a simple ask, which was, um, uh, we we know that you care about these issues like we do, Um, here's here's an intervention. And to to an editor, um, they each said, let's talk, tell me when. And we've lined up five incredible publishers who are participating initially, and we hope to add more in in future years. Uh, But Princeton University Press, NYU Press, Columbia University Press, Cambridge University Press, and Oxford University Press have come together to support the project, not just financially, but also um, with their time. And our hope is to incorporate editors into this process because they possess so many insights that so uh, that too many of our colleagues are, are lacking. And with those insights, um, I think that we, we could really, really, uh, change sort of the face of, of academic book publishing. Um, it's unlocking some of those secrets, uh, that unfortunately are still held by, um, uh, you know, our, our kind of old institutional practices. And so, um, it's been such a great project to talk to so many people about.
0: Um, what do you need from other people? Uh, people who are listening to this, how can they support the initiative besides the people who are going to apply for it? And should they contact you? Is there a way to contribute money? Should institutions be contributing money? What, what do you want from everyone else out there besides the editors, which are uh, all for it?
1: Well, I mean, money is always nice, (laughs) but we don't have a real kind of mechanism yet to accept those kind of donations. And certainly we hope to be able to do that in the future so that it is institutionalized in that way and really supported by the discipline, because that's what we want the buy in, I think, from the discipline to recognize this as a a worthy um, use of our time and resources. And And I think that's already there, at least from the folks I've talked to. But I think what the kind of support we need is, you know, to be reviewers, to be interlocutors when asked when some of these books are coming um, or some of these book authors are coming to you and asking or we are coming to you and asking, hey, can you be on this on this panel to do that? um, We we are always looking, of course, to have um, more members of our board. So if you're interested in being on the board, please contact either Heath or myself um, for that. Also, if you know your colleagues um, at some of these institutions, we can't reach everyone. And unfortunately, everyone is not an APSA member, for example. Everyone is not the most engaged. So if you know someone or you have a colleague at these institutions, please encourage them to submit their work. If you have a colleague that is not a tenure track person, but you know is doing some interesting work, Please encourage them because, again, I think we don't think enough about term faculty at some of these spaces. And we know they're extremely important uh, to to our discipline. And we want to make sure uh, those folks have an opportunity to realize uh, their academic uh, potential. And so I think those are some of the ways initially that that folks can help um, and, and just spread the word. I mean, I think that's what we're really trying to do right now is 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 bring as many people into the fold um, as we possibly can.
2: Yeah, and, and you know one, one thing I would just add to that is um, what we didn't wanna do was design um, yet another program that asks of um, those associated with minority serving institutions to give up their time for free. Um, we know that just doesn't work. And so while we're asking for volunteers to serve on review boards, um, the funding that we've raised is going towards those people, and so just as if you uh, were serving in a book workshop uh, at another, as a part of another um, institution, uh, you'd have expectations uh, to receive an honorarium. Uh, if you volunteer and are chosen to participate in this, you will also receive an honorarium for for participation. I think it's really important. It's it's one of the reasons why. Uh, securing funding from the publishers, but also from APSA. And the help that that the association has provided on logistics, uh, on on funding. Uh, We were successful in uh, winning a small grant to help the first year of this project and sort of get it off the ground. Uh, We couldn't do this without um, the support of uh, the American Political, Political Science Association uh, staff uh, who have been incredible uh, to start a project like this takes an enormous amount of work um, that that we have been willing to put in, but there are things we just don't know how to do, like to, how to run a website. Um, and APSA has stepped up enormously uh, with help in that. And, and, and this wouldn't have been possible without that kind of help.
0: Well, and two things. First of all, the website looks great. I hit the button to see just how easy this would be to apply to for the listeners. And it's really easy and very, very clear. Uh, and the second thing is that Lily Goren and I, after the summer workshops are done, we'll have the cohort on the podcast. They won't have finished their books, but they can talk about their books and we can figure out some things that we can do to highlight their research and get them connected to the people they need to be connected to. We'll talk. Uh, But before we end, and the deadline is January 14th, and uh, we will have the link to the APSA Beautiful Webs uh, page, very easy. But any tips on the people who are applying, things that you would encourage them uh, to do for a successful application?
1: I would say one of the things is not to be afraid. I mean, we all have that, I think, trepidation when we're working on something. It's like, oh, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. Well, it'll never be perfect. So please just, if you have a manuscript, just send it, right? Just send the the, the best representation of that work you can to us. Um, the other is please make sure it's a full manuscript, right? We're not, <laughs> we don't want the the spec copies. We really want a full manuscript. And I know that might leave some people out but there will be next year. But I I just would say, just don't be afraid. I mean, you have an audience of people who are really excited um, to receive your work and are going to take it seriously and have thought a lot about um, this project as faculty at MSIs, right? Heath and I both are are at minority serving institutions, but also just as people who want to see this discipline be better and more inclusive and more expansive and more robust. Um, We are... We are here sincerely um, to create as much space and choice for these authors as possible. And that's um, what I would say is just put your best work forward, send it, and know that it will be received um, and cared for and read thoughtfully and considered um, thoughtfully.
2: Yeah, and and let me just add one thing. In order to apply, the application only requires... Um, a, a proposal, uh, a sample chapter, and some other brief information. Now, at the point of applying, the book manuscript should be finished. Uh, this is not for halfway finished projects, as, as Niyambi described. Um, but, but to actually, if, if somebody has a, a project that's they want to apply today, um, do it. Um, if the project isn't done, it's going to be ready for next year, apply next year. Uh, thankfully we have the commitment to do this for the next three years. And so, um, it's, it's, uh, it's really exciting for that. The last thing I'd say is, um, ask us, uh, neither we're not involved in the making the final decisions about who's going to be awarded. That's why we put together a board. And for that reason, ask us questions. We've already gotten a bunch of great questions, clarifying questions, um, are, are things that we can receive. I'm sure our contact information is, is out there. Uh, But ask questions because we would be glad to clarify and uh, make sure everybody's application is as strong as possible. There's no uh, we're not holding on to any secrets here. Uh, We're going to put it out uh, for everyone to know exactly how to put this together in the right way.
1: And if I can add, if people are interested um, and maybe there's a group of folks who maybe talk across institutions and they want to have a conversation with Heath and I, we are. More than happy to do that. We're doing a series of them. We have one next week with the National Conference of Black Political Scientists. And I think in another couple weeks, we have one with the Latino Caucus. And we're reaching out to different spaces. So please, if you want something like that for your university or your department or a group of you want to do something like that, please don't hesitate to contact one of us. We will be more than happy to do that.
0: Well, we'll have your contact information in the show notes. I want to thank. Both of you for doing the podcast today, but more for this unbelievable project and the ongoing support, traveling to different places, either virtually or otherwise, to to have these conversations. I think these conversations are part of what's missing, the the connections that people make for supporting their work. Uh, the show notes will have the link to the webpage on Apps's uh, site the deadline for submissions and all the information that you know and again Naomi Carter and Heath Brown I can't thank you enough for this contribution to the discipline and also for your time today thank you Susan
2: thank you, Susan